You're about to hear a sermon from Hun Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song from our study on the Gospel according to Matthew. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 to 45. Let me pray for us, and then we will jump in to the, to the passage today. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we're so thankful for who you are. We're thankful for your faithfulness in our lives, uh, for your son Jesus, for your grace. Um, yeah, we thank you for your word that you provide. Lord, I pray right now that you open up the, the eyes of our hearts that we may see the truth and we may open up the ears of our hearts that we may hear the voice of your spirit. Lord, I know right now there is a spiritual battle going on and that the enemy is gonna do anything he can to stop us from hearing your word and your words of truth today. But God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, you silence the voice and the lies of the enemy today and that the light of your gospel will shine bright and speak clearly. Holy Spirit, we need you. Fill our hearts as we listen to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus is finishing his conversation with the Pharisees. This is right after, earlier in this chapter, he, he drove out a demon out of a man. There was a man who was possessed by a demon, and when Jesus saw the man who was possessed and oppressed by a demon, Jesus went and drove him out. And Jesus says, you know, in order to, uh, to get rid of a demon, you have to bind the strong man, and the strong man is Satan. You got to tie him up so you can save the person that is captured by the strong man. And, uh, and then you can free the person. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus drove out a demon from this person. And then he talks about kind of what happens afterwards. What happens after evil is rid from your life? Because, you know, there's a lot of us who need that, who need some help because there is like evil in your life. Like there are things in your life that you feel like are out of your control. I don't know. Maybe there's like sin or something that is keeping you away from God, whether that be a sin or a, I don't know, a state of mind or lies. These are all ways Satan lies to us to keep us separated from the love of God. And when God sees his children separated from him, his heart is to get rid of whatever it is that's separating you from him. Amen? If there's a wall, then he'll break through the wall, like we say, right? If you're in darkness and you can't see, then he is the light and he will shine through. And if there are demons that are keeping you from God, he will not let demons stand in the way. He will not let evil stand in the way. He won't let your sin stand in the way between him and you. That is the heart of God. And so let's read this passage. Verse 43, Jesus says, when the unclean spirit, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, when it comes, it will find the house empty, swept and put in order. 
Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of the person is worse than the first. So also it will be with this evil generation. Jesus is talking about the reality of what demons and spiritual warfare looks like. And he's using the analogy that a human being is like a house that a demon comes and occupies and some, for some reason it leaves or it's driven out. And after it's driven out, it's looking for a place to go because apparently demons have to live somewhere and where they live is inside of people. And so they wander around looking for a place to go and they can't find a place to go. So they come back and it says, I will go back to my house. Isn't that interesting? When a demon looks at you and me and tries to own us, it tries to claim ownership of you and me. It says, well, I will go back to my house, which is crazy because who do we belong to, right? We belong to God because he is the one who made us. In Genesis, it talks about where we're from. It says we were made in the image of God. In the likeness of God, we were made. And he made us male and female in his image. And he made us to have a relationship with him, to be connected to God. That's the way it was supposed to be. You and I were made to have a perfect relationship, a connection to God. We were supposed to live with God. He was supposed to be with us. And he lives, his spirit lives inside of us in connection with him. But then what happens? Sin. We rejected God from our hearts and our lives by disobeying him. And therefore, we were separated from God. And now the spirit of God left humanity. And that's what the whole story of the Bible is about. It's the, it's the tragic story of people who were once with God, no longer with God because we, we threw him out. We pushed him out. And now it's humans, humanity's search to look for something to replace God with. That's what the story of the entire Bible is. We spend the rest of the Old Testament people looking for something or someone else to worship, to fill the space that God used to be. And that's what, and that's how demons get in there. You see, human beings, we were never designed to be individuals. We were never designed to be on our own. We were always designed to be codependent with some sort of spiritual being. That's just the way we are. We are like physical and spiritual beings and we need something to fill our spiritual part of our lives. We're always looking for something. That's why we're always searching for something in life, right? And it's never the thing in it of itself that we want. It's the spiritual thing that is attached to the thing that we are, we are searching for. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like money itself is not what we actually want. We want the spiritual desire that comes attached with money, right? We want money because we don't want the money itself. We want what the money can bring us. It can bring us acceptance from someone or it, can, it brings us fame or power over something. It's always in connection with some other being. We are meant and we long for a spiritual connection to fill the spiritual parts of our hearts. We are made to be inhabited by another spirit, a deep soul connection. And so when we look at this passage, it talk, Jesus talks about that. There's a man who is inhabited by an unclean spirit. 
And then he goes and he comes back and then he gets seven more. Now there's eight spirits living inside this person, which sounds like a lot. I don't know if you, I don't know if some of you guys in college have roommates, right? Have, does anyone have, has anyone ha lived with eight people, right? When I was in college, I lived with three other guys and that already felt pretty cramped, right? I mean, eight's a lot to live in one space. And when I, the thing that struck me, which is a really dumb thing reading this, I'm just like, man, how do it? There's a lot of space in a person's soul, apparently, if like there's plenty of room for eight demons, right? There's another time in where Jesus drives out demons from a guy and Jesus is like, what's, what's your name to the demon? And the demon says, you know, my name is Legion. I don't know, I don't know what it sounds like, but because we are many, right? And the, and the word Legion for in the Roman army is for a thousand soldiers. So think about that. That means in this one guy, there was, like, I don't know, like a thousand demons living in this dude. That's crazy, right? Now, it seems crazy, but then you have to realize, go back to the beginning, what were human beings, what capacity was our souls made for? Who were we made for? We were made for God. Like, when you think of, a, if you imagine what kind of house you are, you're not a little house. You are, you're like, you're, you're, you're a castle for, for a king. That's what every single one of us are. That's why we're so valuable to Satan. Satan wants you, not because you're a shabby little house, you were built for the king of the universe, every single one of us. The king of the universe made us so that he can reside inside of you. That's why there's so much room that's why a thousand demons can come and live in you and there's still space. That's why when we look for things to fill our hearts, it's never enough, is it? In Ephesians chapter two, verse 22, it says this, in him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God. That's what we were meant for. We were meant to be a dwelling place for God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? And in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27, King Solomon, after building this magnificent temple, looks at this incredible temple that he built, and he says, behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, God. How much less can this house that I have built? This is the God of the universe. He realizes he builds the greatest temple that he can possibly build with all the riches and the gold and the jewels, and he looks at it, and then he realizes who God is, and he's like, this house cannot contain you, God. This little shack is nothing compared to who you are, but that's who we are, you and I have been built to be at the habitation of the God of the universe. That's why seven demons can easily fit. And that's why when God is not in our life, you and I have desires and a hunger for things that, and we try to fill our heart in the void where God left with, I don't know, everything, anything we can find, right? Hobbies, career, relationships, friendships, 
you know, just entertainment. We can get all, we can compile all the things that you want. Everything, your life could look like, you know, the culmination of all of your Instagram feeds. Okay, let's just pretend that that was now your life, right? All the travel and all the relationships and all the fashion and all the gear that, you know, litters your feed and you're like, that would, if that was your life and you, you got all of that, you would still desire more. You can have all the money. Some of you are like, if I just had a mil, just, I just need one million, okay? If I just had, I'm, I'm a humble guy, I just need one million dollars a month and I'm, I'm, I'm good, you know what I'm saying? That's all I need? I would be totally content. But there are people who literally make that much. They're the billionaires and they want more. I just need to be the top of my class. You know, I just need to get the best grade. You know what? In a couple years, no one cares what your GPA is. You know what I'm saying? Some of you, you're like, I worked so hard to get that perfect GPA. And now you're, you're, you know, you're, you're working. Does anyone ask you? Nobody asks you, right? Some of you are like, man, if I just found the one and got married, then I would be happy. Then my soul would be satisfied. Look at your parents, right? They're not, they're not totally satisfied. They're still complaining about life, right? And then those who are married, like, well, I just need some kids. Well, you just look at, look at your parents again. <laughs> they had you. You did not fill the, the desires of their soul, right? So what are we looking for? What are we going for? What are we built for? There's literally nothing in this world that can satisfy. We try to accumulate all these things and we, there's always that longing that empty space in our souls that keeps reaching for more beyond what you already have. And in that void, in that longing, enters sin and the darkness and discontentment, the greed, the envy for other things, the lust, the lies, and then the depression, and then the anxiety that you haven't picked, didn't you make the right choices, or the pride, and all these things, and the enemy, and Satan, and all the things of evil start to creep in, in that vacuum, in that void, that emptiness of our souls, because no matter what we try to fill it with, there will always be that void. And where there's a vacuum, it'll just suck. It'll just reach for whatever is around to try to fill it. No amount of finite things can fill the infinite space that is our souls. And that's why St. Augustine said this. It says that you, God, has, have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. That's just, that's just the way it is. And so that's what we do. We, we, without God, we, we go out and we search for meaning and life and purpose and, and things to fill our souls with. And then along with it, as we're sucking in all of these material things and the worldly desires, we also suck in a lot of demonic and evil influences in our life. And without, before we know it, we have a bunch of evil living inside of our lives. And no longer are we in control, but they seem to be controlling us. Anyone feel like there's parts of your life that feel out of control to you? Where you feel like, oh my gosh, like why am I like this? Why do I keep going back to this? I wanna stop, but I can't. Like something else is in control. We have given over control of our lives to outside forces that are not in your best interest. And you keep hurting yourself and you know that's not right, but you can't seem to stop. Call it what you will. 
You might not believe in demons, but there is something that you can't control that is living inside of you, that you let in. So what do we do? We try to fix ourselves, right? We try to get control. We read the self-help books or we go and get religion. And we try to like religion our way out. And we try to like get rid of all these bad things. Like I got to stop smoking. I got to stop looking at these things. I got to, you know, straighten out my life. And you try to clear out all the bad stuff from your life. You go to the retreat and you cry really hard and you sing the songs and you say you're sorry. And then we try to clear it out. I mean, then you try to like just follow the rules and, um, you know, get rid of the bad stuff. Get religion. But the, here's the thing, getting rid of the bad things in your life doesn't solve the problem. Because remember, the problem in the first place is the emptiness, right? So you're like, well, I'm going to get rid of the problem because I've accumulated all these terrible things in my life. I just need to push it all out, get rid of it, do a detox, you know, self-improve, do a juice cleanse. I don't know, do whatever I have to do to get rid of all this bad stuff in my, in my life. And you know what? And, and it, that, that's not a bad thing. Getting rid of the bad things is not bad. It's just not the answer, right? Because when you do get rid of the bad things, there is improvement, right? You get the demons out, you get some of the addictions out and you sweep your house clean and you push it out and you ask for forgiveness. But what always happens? They come back. And each time they come back, they come back a little stronger, right? And the hope that you'll get them out gets a little smaller that you'll push them out again one day, right? Here's the fact. Did you know that you can be delivered but not saved? Like, did you know that you could be healed and still die? Think about that. Like in the Bible, when Jesus heals somebody, guess what happens to them? They still die, right? Let's say like there's someone who has cancer and you pray for them and they get healed. You know what's going to happen? They're still going to die, eventually getting rid of something that's bad doesn't fix the ultimate problem see perhaps you were touched once by god's presence maybe you went to like a retreat or had a moment in your life where you like really like i don't know you had that emotional or spiritual experience and you asked for forgiveness and like and it, was, and it was real. Your guilt was gone and you felt like, you know, lighter and you felt clean and clear and suddenly you felt like you're in control of your life again and, you know, you gave your sins to Jesus and, and, then, and then what happens? A couple months later, maybe a couple weeks later, the anger, the bitterness, the addictions, the lies, they start to come back. They come back stronger and now they come back with some new friends, Right? They bring new friends of now bitterness against the church and, and jadedness and hardness of heart and skepticism. Now all these new, new like evils come and join in with your heart. Why is that? That's because, yeah, we got rid of the evil spirit. We got rid of some of the bad things in your life. Maybe you use religion. Maybe you used, you know, hearing the gospel and you use that and you ask for forgiveness, but you never filled the emptiness with God. You pushed out the bad, but you didn't invite in God. And I think that happens with a lot of us. We never fully surrender our life 
to Jesus. It's like you let Jesus come and cleanse your house, but you never gave him the keys to move in, right? You call him savior, like forgive my sins, die for my sins, but you don't call him Lord. Do you guys, do you guys see the difference? Yes, we need to call him savior. We need to receive the forgiveness of our sins from the cross, but then we need to then say, Jesus, now you are the Lord of my life. In response to what you did for me, I will now follow you. I will make you the Lord of my life. I will surrender every part of you. Not only do I want you to come in and cleanse my house, I want you to move in and take over because I cannot fill this castle. Only you can. So come in and take every part. You need to not only be my savior, but my Lord. And so that when the enemy that was driven out of your life comes back, it will find your house occupied. That's what happens. You know, in the Old Testament, when the Israelites built a tabernacle, a tent for the Lord, and then they prayed, God came down and he filled the tabernacle with his glory and his presence so that no one could come inside. Moses couldn't walk into the tabernacle because it was filled with the presence of God. And the same thing happened when Solomon built the temple. He built the temple and then they prayed, God, come and fill this temple. And then his presence came down in fire and it filled the temple with his presence and no one could walk inside because of the place was occupied. And that's what happens when you give your life fully to Jesus and you ask, Lord, come down and fill my life with your presence, every single part. And then his spirit will fill us. And then the enemy cannot occupy us because it's already taken. It's already filled with the presence of God. Have you unconditionally, not only accepted the forgiveness of Jesus and asked him to drive out some of the evil in your life, but have you surrendered completely every part of your life to the Lordship of Jesus and invited the Holy Spirit to come and fill you and take over your life? Because if you have not, then yes, temporarily, Maybe religion and maybe like going to church and hanging out with like church people has gotten you to act a little better and to fix a few of your problems and issues, but it will not solve the ultimate issue of the vacuum that is in our hearts that can only be filled by the Spirit of God. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Because if you're not, then that's why like, yeah, every every sin, you just... It just comes in. <laughs> Every time you run to temptation, you just fall in. Every time there's an evil influence, you just kind of sway to it, right? You guys know what, like a vacuum, right? Just not like the vacuum cleaner, but an actual vacuum, right? Where there, it's like where the, there's nothing. And then you puncture the vacuum, what happens? Whatever is out there will just go right in and fill that space. And that's what kind of like you and I are like, right? We, like whatever is around us, we just take that in. Like whatever's on your phone, you just take it in and it goes straight into your heart because we're not filled with the Spirit. Now, if there's a container that's already filled with something, right, and you puncture it, it's not going to suck in whatever's out there because it's already full. That's what we need. We need to ask for a continual filling to be full of God's Spirit at all times so that we won't constantly try to grab and reach for everything that's around us in this world. That we won't let that, that, that Satan and evil spirits will have no place to even come in because we'll be so full of the Spirit of God. So the question then is, how can we fill 
this infinite space in our heart with the Spirit of God. It says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, do not get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery, but, but be filled with the Spirit. So we need to be filled with the Spirit. He, Paul is talking to people who are Christians already. So here's the thing. When you become a Christian, you, we receive the Holy Spirit. But then, so the Spirit does live inside of us. But then there's like something he commands us to do. He says, but also be filled with the Holy Spirit. So how do we do this? How do we be filled with the Spirit of God? Well, number one, we have to receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit by, in faith, receiving Jesus, receiving the gospel of God, believing that Jesus died for you on the cross. That's number one. And then making him the Lord of your life. You gotta give him the keys to your house and say, Lord, this is your house. Now you come in and you move in. And then you have to invite the Holy Spirit surrender to him like do you want him to take over your life some of us are like yeah fill me god but then you don't want him to like touch anything you know what i'm saying it's like yeah god like come and take over but just don't change anything right that's not surrender that's where some of us are it's like yeah i know i i said with my I, I said god come and surrender but in your heart and in your life you're not willing to change anything you haven't surrendered then. There are still parts of your life that are open to a vacuum of whatever it is that you're not letting go. So you need to surrender. Romans chapter 12, verse one, it says, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. In view of God's mercy, the reason why we can surrender everything to God is in view of his mercy. He is a loving God. He will not like, you know what I mean? Like we are afraid that if we just surrender completely unconditionally to God, he's gonna ruin your life or something. If my children came up to me and Elizabeth came up to me and she was like, dad, I trust you because I know you love me. I will do whatever you tell me to do today. And I'm, what do you think I'm gonna say as a father? You think I'm gonna be like, yes, I was waiting for you to say that. I tricked you. Now I'm gonna ruin your life. I'm gonna make you do terrible things and I'm gonna make you hurt yourself. And I'm gonna make you like, you know, I'm gonna take away all your fun and joy. You think that's what I'm gonna do? I am a wicked, evil father who is sinful. And if my daughter comes up to me and says, dad, I trust you and I will do whatever you tell me to do. What I'm going to, what do you think I'm going to do with that? I'm going to do what I'm going to tell her, whatever she needs to do to have the best life that I can make possible for her. Right? Because I'm a father. That's my heart. Now, how much more will the heavenly father, who is infinitely good, infinitely perfect, in view of God's mercy. Even I have not died for my daughter, but we have a father who died for us. We can trust him. In view of his mercy, we can completely surrender to the lordship of God's spirit in our life. And so invite him to come every morning to fill you with his spirit so that other things will not fill you, right? Like I said, when you are first filled with the spirit of God, you first, every day you wake up and you surrender. You say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Come and fill my life. I want, I desire to do what you want to do. Then 
Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You'll fill us. Second, it's a, we need to confess all of the sins that the Holy Spirit makes known to us. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then you need to be pure. And the only way you can be pure is if when you sin, you confess and you ask for forgiveness. You're like, but I keep sinning. Then keep confessing, <laughs> right? Bill Bright, who is the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, he calls it spiritual breathing. He calls spiritual breathing where you, when you exhale spiritually, when you confess your sins. And then when you inhale spiritually, you're receiving his grace and forgiveness. A lot of us think that you only spiritually breathe once and then you're good. <laughs> Try breathing just once a day. You know what I'm saying? And then see how, how long you're going to live. Or it's like, I, I breathed once at that retreat. I confessed once and received his grace that one time. No, it's something that we do again and again and again, as long as you are spiritually alive. Amen. If we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to be constantly, daily, confessing and receiving grace, maybe multiple times a day, and then being filled with the Holy Spirit so that when we do go out there into the world, filled with all the demons and the, and the evil things and the influences around us, we're not this empty vacuum that just sucks in everything around us, but because we're already full, we're occupied. And so temptation comes your way, Satan comes your way, the lies of the enemy come their way, and they cannot find a place to live because we're full. Amen. And so let us make, it's a choice to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just something that you are passive in. You have to ask and seek and walk in the Spirit. You have to ask Him to fill you. It says in Luke, you know, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him? Right? We need to ask. Because we have a choice. Now, once you're a Christian, the Spirit's in you, but you have to now make the choice to be filled by Him and to walk according to Him. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is a really big deal. A lot of you younger ones, or even me, I forget this. Like, once we are Christians and we have the Holy Spirit, we literally have to choose to walk in the Spirit. It's not just something that automatically happens. A lot of us think that once you become, if you're a true Christian, then you're just automatically always going to choose the things of God over sin and that you're no longer going to struggle with sin anymore. And then when you actually do struggle with sin, you're like, wait, am I even saved? Why am I still struggling with this sin? Right? The sin's still there. The presence is there. You can, you still have the desires of your flesh, but once the Holy Spirit's in you, you can say no to those things and choose the Holy Spirit. You can choose to walk in the Spirit and trust in Him and say no and not gratify the desires of the flesh. You have a choice. And when you make that choice to trust in God, then He fills. The fullness of His Spirit is experienced by those who choose God. You guys hear me? So some of you are super discouraged right now because you've been discouraged because you're like, man, what, what's going on? Am I saved? Why, is it, you know, why are these temptations still there? If you trust and if you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are saved. 
But now you have a choice. You are free to say no and to choose to walk in the Spirit. So, let us be filled. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, When we receive the Holy Spirit and we're filled with Him, then we will become witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all to the ends of the earth. This is what the Holy Spirit is for. It's not just for yourself and for your own salvation, but it's literally for the salvation of the world. We need to be filled, not just to keep the, the devil out of our hearts, all right? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can bring the kingdom of God in this world. And so as, if we live and we start to invite the Spirit to come take over our lives, the world will be changed. Let's, let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Hum Vision Podcast. We hope you are blessed. Join us next week on Han Vision.